Welcome back, everybody, to the Celebration Church interview podcast. Today, we are honored to have with us Pastor Terry Sparks, who is Pastor Brandon's pastor. Welcome, Pastor Terry, to the podcast. Well, it's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. We're super excited to hear from you and specifically on your life in the mission field, like in other countries and stuff, because we don't have an on-staff missions person. We just give to different Uh, missions ministries so we're really excited to hear from you about what that's like because that's a huge part of ministry is going to the mission field right and so i kind of wanted to start with like how you got started in missions and kind of when you got your calling to missions well that's a that's oh that's a good question um I, first of all, I'm, you know, my, I graduated from Christ for the Nations, and that was Christ for the Nations in the title itself gives you the idea that we're called to the nations. And so we would have periodically have m- missionaries come through. And uh, I never, ever thought that I would, I never thought about doing missions in any way. But they planted within us the seed that, you know, we should be praying for a nation or we should be going somewhere. Everyone should go on a short term mission trip. And then be prayerful in, in respect to maybe becoming a long-term missionary. I never felt called to do it long-term because of family and obligations with the church. But uh, I remember being on staff uh, at uh, my friend John Holler's church, and uh, they had a missions pastor on there, Daryl Eaton, and he was going to go to Mexico. And so I volunteered to go. And the thing that I realized when I was there, it was new to me. Uh, and, uh, you know, because I'm a Texas born and bred, never really been in a foreign field. Uh, and we started ministering, and I ministered through an interpreter. And uh, I, I made the mistake of, of praying for people and looking them in the eye. And I began to realize the the need for suffering humanity, wow. the things that we yeah. take for granted, mm-hmm. that we just live day in, day out, the normal ABCs of Christianity, that they don't have any any tools for yeah. that. And they're subject to financial poverty. Uh, they've been raised and steeped in religion and uh, occultism and all matter of things. And when you bring life there, you begin to see change. Uh, and it, it, it changes you forever. Uh, and that began to, I didn't start traveling until, gosh, I was in my early 40s, I guess. And uh, and wow. then since then, you know, I've just been, God's just opened the door for me. I'm about to go to Sudan, South wow. Sudan, uh, this March 6th. And uh, that'll be my 40, 40, 41st nation to go to. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And I think that so many people get caught up in the idea that they have to know in their like 20s what their calling is, you know, or like even like when they're graduating high school or graduating college, they could be in their late 20s or their 30s or their 40s or 50s and be like, well, I was supposed to get my calling like forever ago. But you stepped into the mission field when you said in your 40s, Mm -hmm. like that was not something you would have thought no, when you were just short term and after old. and after that i i just began to go sporadically as doors opened yeah. you know, the interesting thing that you talk about calling i think the calling uh we romanticize the calling for sure definitely i never got a call to preach mm-hmm. i never got a call to pastor i just found a need and started filling it yeah absolutely and then and then god began to open doors yeah um, I never got a call to go to mission field. I just read in the Bible it says go into all the world and preach the gospel. It doesn't. It doesn't give any other requirements than well, you got to have a, a, a Bible school degree. You've got to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. You got all these things. Are, that, that's just romanticized and it's and it's fictitious. Yeah, we have a command from God to go and and I I encourage anyone ever get a passport if you don't have one, and then I'm just start saying praying. that to people all the time, Pastor Terry. Yeah. Last night I was saying that to some of our young adult girls and i tell them i said this is the one thing i stand on get your passport that's just right. get it I'm like it's good for so long that's right and you never know what's going to happen and they're saying oh yeah like i'm just going to get the opportunity to go to another country i'm like yeah. you might you don't know what's going to yeah, happen I, i'm going to take this clip i'm going to send it to them yeah this south sudan trip came up with in i mean i was sitting around doing nothing and next thing i'll get a text they say hey uh you want to go to south sudan says yeah so okay send me your stuff we're, we're buying tickets today amazing 
I didn't have time to get a passport. Yeah, no way. Get a passport. Yeah. Four grand later, I'm headed out. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I really like what you said about the romantic notion of a calling. Like it's yeah. going to be this whole moment where God comes down and tells you, this is your grand assignment. And yeah. once you're done, you're done. You know, it's kind of like in like movies and TV shows, how they have like meet cutes for couples. And you think like, well, if I don't run into them in the bookstore, then it can't be true. Right. Like it can't just happen to me, you know, yeah. it can't just be someone I'm friends with who blah, 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 blah. You know, and that can't be our story because that's not as fun as having this, you know, this whole oh, romantic notion of it's just going to happen. There's there's too many romance movies out there and romance novels that romanticize everything. I, I'm not I, after a while. There's there's no romance in going to the world because it's going to take us 50 hours to get there. Yeah. With layovers and things, Definitely. Uh, you know, and they're expecting eighty to hundred thousand people in the crusade, so wow. it's a big deal. Uh, but those are far and few between. There's been times that I've sat in in villages and minister. I went to Honduras and was preaching to ten pastors. Yeah, you know, but who knows if those ten pastors go back and t preach their ten churches, and it just and you, you never minimize Absolutely. what you do, a smile, a, a kind heart, a, you know, a gentle hand. Uh, everybody's got something to give. Absolutely. My wife would go. She wasn't a preacher, but she loved kids. She loved, you know, on women. And she she changed more people than I did. Wow. So, yeah. That's amazing. And I love that how sometimes people, you know, they think missions and they think like orphanages and or big, huge crusades, but it is just about touching no. people. It's yeah. just the same as like you think church, you think Sunday morning, but small groups are more important than Sunday morning. Oh, there's, there's no doubt. And it's the same thing as like taking the time to be with those pastors or to go and minister to one family, yeah. you know? Brooklyn, when I when I would go, even when, I mean, what probably the largest crusade I ever done was when when I was in Bolivia, and it was I preached to seven thousand people. But you're always asking God for the one. Yeah, absolutely. There's the one. What and I, I you know, you preach you preach to seven thousand people. You don't know how many people you change. You really don't. Mm -hmm. But there's times when you're with a one-on-one -on -one person, and you know this is why I came. Yeah. That's amazing. That one person. This is why I came, and I walk away with that with a greater, a, 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 a greater thankfulness for that one person than the seven thousand. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Because it's like seven thousand people. Yes, who individually God loves each of them. Sure. But it's like you're not going to be able to get to know all seven thousand no. people. But one person can change your entire perspective oh, oh, yeah. on and then, and life, and that, on yeah. everything. And it can change their perspective. And yeah. It can cha change their whole family tree, just one encounter by the Spirit of God in you. Because it's never us. It's always the Holy Spirit that leads us mm -hmm. and puts us in positions that we're not, we're not qualified to be in anyway. I'm never qualified to go to the mission field. Yeah. I'm not qualified to go without Him. I'm not qualified to do anything without Absolutely. Him. Absolutely. So it's always Him. And when you lean on Him... Uh, the Lord Jesus, if you don't know who that is, and allow the Holy Spirit to use you, and uh, then then ultimately doors will open for you to bring about life wherever you go. That's so good. And uh, you just have to hang on to Him. Mm -hmm. you, you know, I, there's times I just don't have, so Lord, what in the world am I doing here? When I went to Africa, I went, you know, the, oh gosh, the story of Africa. I could take the rest of this podcast talking about Africa. I love her and hate her all at the same uh -huh. time, you know. Uh, but uh, what I mean by that is that their, their culture is so not Western. Yeah. <laughs> Never on time for nothing. Uh, but man, they're wonderful people. My God, I love them. And uh, the Lord, you know, I, I begin to disciple this young man. Oh, I don't know how much time you got, but I had a, a phone call, just you know, at 3 a.m. And this African voice on the other end says, hey, I need... You know, I need help. I need help. You know, well, I've been in mission for a long time. Well, yeah, you want money. You're an opportunist. Mm -hmm. You you need something. And and I said, I don't talk to anybody at 3 a.m. hung up. And he called back the next day. And in Brooklyn, he had he had saw a number in a, in a Christian magazine that a church I was a part of here in San Angelo years ago. We'd advertised for a mission conference, and they put that number in. And he saw that number, wrote it down, called that number, and someone at the other end 
gave him my phone phone wow. number, and I'd been gone from that ministry for six or six to eight years. Wow! And he calls me, and God puts us together. Next thing I know, I'm in Africa by a miracle on top of a miracle uh -huh. that I'm there. And God uses me to help raise up this young man. His mom became a pastor, could not read or write, wow. and had her children read the Bible to her so she could get her messages. And she built a church. Now she's got a 26-year-old son, her youngest son, gave him the church. He doesn't know nothing, and he calls me. And God begins to use me to disciple I mean, now I have a now through that through all these miracles we have a Christ for the Nation school in Timagana, West Africa. I go wow. there every year and do Bible school graduations. That's amazing. It's just amazing what God does. The miracles I can tell you yeah. about. God, I could spend two hours talking about the miracles of Africa while I've been over there, and it all started with just obedience. And when I got over there, I didn't feel qualified to be there. Mm -hmm. I was by myself, walked into Africa by myself at 10 o'clock at night to meet a man I'd never formally met. And I said, God, this is you or I'm dead. I don't advise yeah. you to do that. <laughs> and God showed wow. up. I, was, I actually got so lonely, I wanted to go back home. And the Lord stopped me. And the Holy Spirit says, I have something for you to do. Stay. I was going to throw money at it till I got back home. Mm-hmm. How long were you there? I was there for about ten days, wow. the first time. And you've gone back every oh, year since. Oh, I've been, I've been, I've been going for twenty years. Yeah. Oh, wow. And you're still connected with. Oh, this man? very much so. Yeah, they're, they're they are. Uh, I I walked into. A, I, they're very respectful. He calls me daddy, and uh, and he this is first trip, and I'm sitting there, and I I've been there about three or four days. I said I got to email my wife and let me let her know I'm alive. Mm -hmm. So I sat down and, I, and I'm writing. He says, "Dad, Dad." I said, "Yes, son." He says, "He says, Dad, you see that woman over there?" I went, "Yeah, I see her." He says, "Dad, she sings beautifully." I says, "Yeah." He says, "Dad, Dad, Dad, you see that girl over?" I went, "Yeah, son, I see her." He says, "Dad, she's very godly." And I stopped and I went, "Is she single?" Because he was single. Mm -hmm. He says, "Yes." I said, "I'm going to give you money. I want you to take her out." He says, oh. "Dad, you give me courage." About three months later, he calls me. He says, Dad, do you remember the woman? I says, yes, son, I do. He says, I'm going to be married. Aww. And he says, I said, that's great. He says, no, you don't understand. I have to buy a dowry. I have to buy a cow. So we bought a cow. <laughs> <laughs> that's and awesome. we got him a wife. Praise that God. Awesome. And I got African, oh, the, my African grandchildren, again, I'm not married to any African woman. Uh -huh. These are children in my faith. But, yeah, definitely. But uh, they, uh, they're, gosh, I think one's 14, one's 15. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah I have, and the legacy there just continues. He's, he's an author. He's written 12 books. He raised three people from the dead. Oh, my gosh. A, a young boy didn't know nothing. Yeah, just reaching out to a phone number. Yeah, he just and then and then got and then I mean, what you know, a, yeah, that's a beautiful a thing about these young people that you you that you're reaching. They don't understand that when you get in a legacy of faith, you're going to stand on your father's Absolutely. shoulders and you're going to do exceedingly more than what they did. Absolutely. That's what we all want yeah. our our children to do. And when you get in the right lineage, the legacy grows exponentially when you do it the right way. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, get under someone, get mentored, get so find good. somebody. Listen, find somebody that if you're going to get married, find someone's doing marriage the right way. Yeah. So find someone if you want to do missions, find someone doing missions the right way. If you want to be a pastor, what it, it does it, business, a godly businessman, whatever. Get yeah. someone and say, I want to spend an hour a week with you. I want you to disciple me in the things that I want to be good at. And you can be just as influential if you're a carpenter, if you're a doctor, if you're a, if you're a janitor. It doesn't matter. Absolutely. You can be as influential in the ministry you 
don't have to have a special calling. You yeah, just have to definitely. realize, I want to stand on the shoulders of those that have gone before me so that I can see this gospel go to all the world because suffering, because humanity is suffering. They need a touch of God, and you are here for a reason. That's so good. You are a missionary here and now mm. to a lost generation because your generation is lost. They don't know who they are. Yeah, definitely. They don't even know what sex they are. Yeah. They're just lost. And I don't throw a rock at them. I don't judge them. I, no. I cry yeah. for them because the enemy has done overtime to do this. And I believe that we are headed to, I believe this generation is a hero generation. Yeah. Just like World War II was a hero generation. The kids of World War II was considered to be nothing. And yet God himself poured his spirit out upon these men and women that went and fought wars. And you guys are in such a spiritual war that God's going to raise up a generation to go and reach people that I, I can never reach. Yeah. They'll just look at me as some old fart, you know. Uh, and and yeah. and it's not going to make any difference whatsoever. But you know how to walk like them, talk like them. But you can have a different spirit and lead them into freedom. Absolutely. And you can be a missionary in your college. You can be a missionary in your workplace, wherever you go. And God can use you. And eventually, man, God can give you a heart for a nation or open a door for you to, to go to the foreign field. But when you look into their eyes, your life will be forever marked and you'll go again and again and again and again. And it just it's just wonderful. Yeah, that's amazing. Have you been plugged in like with a missions ministry or do you just get opportunities brought to you i just get opportunities that come to my relationships uh -huh. through the years through connecting with other pastors that's, and ministries. yeah that's normally in the first season because of covid everything shut down the last right. country i was in was i have a, a, a matter of fact my the first guy when i was when i was in oaxaca mexico the first missions trip at a young man. He was 20, 21 years old from Oklahoma. He was originally, he was from Texas. He was born in Oklahoma, but he was lived in Texas. He was my interpreter. I'm his pastor today. Wow. And I sent him to Saudi Arabia. And I've been to Saudi Arabia. He, he lives there He now? lives in wow. Saudi. Him and his wife live in Saudi. And he told me, so I want you to get you back over here, man. I says, you know, and of course they have to do it on the down low. He actually mm -hmm. had all these Saudi people come in and they, they, and here they are. You're not supposed to share the gospel because they're Muslim, but he just tells the Christmas story and has them each read the Christmas story, all of them. And they got mm -hmm. so excited about the Christmas story of Jesus. Yeah. Here they are, you know, Muslims and they excited about Jesus and the Christmas story, and the Christmas story itself preaches the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, he says it was the most powerful thing. He said, out of five years since I've been here, this is the most powerful thing we've ever done, just right through the Christmas story. Wow. You never know what God will do. Here was this young boy. I mean, he's my interpreter, and lo and behold, all these years later, I'm his pastor, and yeah. had the opportunity to help him get to, to Saudi, and, and uh, which is incredible. Yeah. That is so cool. And I bet you have like so many relationships like that. Yeah. Like, do you see yourself, like, do you tend to where you go have that one person that you end up mentoring? Or has that just happened like here and there a few times? Well, no, actually, the, the mentoring is very hard. It, 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 it's just like anything, you know, there's, I think people call it like the 1% club. You know, there's 1% of the people that really understand how to be successful in business or successful. They understand certain principles and work the principles. You're always like, what I look, I, when I go, I'm looking for a man of peace mm -hmm. uh, or a person Good. of peace, mm -hmm. a woman of peace, someone that has influence, but yet they walk differently and they know differently and they, they do differently. And those are far and few between. Uh, uh, Thomas, which is now called Bishop Thomas, he 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 was he was one of the few. Uh, I've I've got now, of course, I've got relationships with very successful mm -hmm. pastors and leaders that are, have doing far more than what I ever did while I was in the ministry. But yet, uh, they they 
it's not what you do privately with them. Maybe you influence in them uh, a, a small percentage of time, but mm-hmm. it's what they do with what you give them afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. The reading, the studying, the 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 the, the private time, the mm-hmm. prayer, the, you know, their, their their dedication to the word. That's when you begin to see who is really dedicated to it or not. If you just want to be a lazy Christian, then, um, I'm yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, you be, if you're lazy at your job, you're not gonna you're not gonna move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Your spiritual disciplines. What, grace is free to everybody, but mm-hmm. but spiritual disciplines require that you get up and read your Bible when you don't feel like it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the same as like, and people will say this all the time about going to the gym. You know, yeah. It's like people will consider that to be a discipline, but they won't consider their spiritual life to be a discipline. Yeah. Which or, is, you know, eating well. They'll consider that to be a discipline. I'll be like, oh, I have great self-discipline. I'm in this great shape or I eat this yeah. food or whatever. Or I deny myself all these things. But then their spiritual life, they're like, yeah, you know, that's just kind of Well, whatever. it's just like they say. You know, they'll tell you that, you know, 80% you know, of working out is diet. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, what kind of trash are you watching? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What kind of trash are you reading? What kind, what, you know, what does your, what, you know, what? What, what are you talking about when it's just you and nobody else is walking around? What, what is really flowing out of your heart? Wow. Because, you know, if 80% if you know, you're that structured in your diet and exercise just because you want to look good without a shirt off or, mm-hmm. or in a bikini, whatever that may be, yeah. it, 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 that's not going to produce for you in the same way in a Christian walk. If, if you're going to fill yourself with junk and you expect good life to flow out of you, it, it it may it may triple out of you, mm-hmm. but not to the degree that's where you can really make an influence in your generation. Wow, that's so good because I mean, that really is like the things that are happening more often. Because you know, it's like going to the gym. You go to the gym once a day, mm-hmm. so you might read your Bible once a day. Mm-hmm. But what you're listening to, what you're consuming, the things that you're talking about and thinking about—that's your majority right. of your time. That's a really good perspective i don't know that i thought about that in that correlation of like eating to exercise versus yeah. what you're consuming yeah those and you know you, and the lord will deal with you if you just say lord i just want i want lord i, I just I, I i want you to use me i yeah. want i want uh, that you would bless me lord that i would be a blessing that you would make me a person of influence that i would be able to be influence my generation and lord that you would protect me from the evil one that, you know, those just little three little things there that you can say, Lord, I don't want to be tempted more than what I can bear. And God says he won't. But there's there's just little things that you do along the way. Christianity is not, again, it's not rules and regulations. It's a relationship with the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And if you'll just be quiet and listen and get in a place, position, in other words, if you're all you're sitting down is listening to foul mouth people do podcasts constantly and negatively, and if all you do is watch talk radio and you know, and your political ideas are extreme, and you enter into a place where this, you know, you're you, you're you you got all kinds of theories how the world's going to end and how everybody's jacked up. Hey, hey, come on, you need to take a take a pause. Get in the Word of God. Cut the news off for a season and let God start talking to yeah. you. You know, I, I, you know, I like any action movie, but sometimes I sit down and say, "Wait a minute! I've been cussed out all the time. All, all I want. I don't yeah. need this anymore. Yeah, definitely. I don't need this anymore. If you, if you, if you, if you, if you just know two words and that that's all you can say. Enough. Mm-hmm. You're, this is not quality enough to watch. Yeah, because it's polluting my soul. Mm-hmm. And uh, listen, I'm not here to, again, illegalize anything, but, uh, well, you're just an old man. Yeah, well, I got old for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Not by being stupid. Uh-huh. Believe me, I'm capable of doing stupid. I still do stupid from time to time. But I repent of it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's a difference between, like, being legalistic and setting these things of, like, don't do this. And if you do this, you're going to go to oh, hell. No. And if you do this, you won't. Rather than putting those restrictions on your life you know right. it's like you can put a restriction on your life without it being a law right you know without it being this is the end of the world right which i right. think is kind of what you're you know saying is like you got to put those restrictions in order to have the self-discipline right. in order to have that impact that you want to have well the beautiful thing is if you just show up for church and you show up and, and you stay around christian people 
and then you and you just be honest with the Lord, then you know what? Pretty soon your your want tos will begin to change. Yeah, absolutely. It's not legalism at all. It's just like when I began to come out of the drug culture, uh, I, I didn't know that the music I was listening to was influencing me towards drugs. Because mm. uh, again, I'm not against music, and I, I'm not here to discuss that. If you listen to what you want to, that's between you. But for me personally, one day I was listening to the rock and roll that I used to listen to, and it was just like dead. I didn't want to listen to it anymore. Yeah. You know, I remember one time I was driving in the, in the back seat of the car, and I was loving Jesus, and a guy passed me a joint, and you know what? I I, I didn't want it anymore. Mm-hmm. I just didn't. I, it, you know, God begins to change the want tos. Yeah. And it's not that we become legalistic; it's just that our whole appetite for 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 things change and God does it. We don't, he does it for us, which is so marvelous. One thing I wanted to add about that topic is one thing that pastor Keenan had preached on, on a Thursday night. One time is the concept of people will say like, trust in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Mm -hmm. And you think, Oh, that means he's going to give me what I want if I trust in him. But the truth is, is that he will place the desires into your heart. He will give you the desires of your heart. Like you're saying, all of a sudden, you're not going to want those things anymore. They're not going to be attractive to you. They're not going to be the desires of your heart. You know, getting into it, you might think like, oh, okay, so I'm going to be, God's going to give me all the money I need. God's going to give me all the relationship I need. God's going to give me all the opportunity I want. All of these things. But the truth is, is he's just going to change the desires of your heart and give you the ones that are going to be honoring to him, the ones that are for you, truly. Right. I believe that. I think that's I think that's very accurate. Because uh, I never really had a desire to be a pastor. Yeah. Uh, I never thought about doing that. I I never thought I was going to be a principal of a Christian school. I never even dreamed of that. It was not an aspiration of my life. I never thought about be coming, you know, doing missions. It never, it never entered my mind as a young man. It wasn't something I was desiring. But again, just by me being in the house of God, around people of God, and then little by little, you know, it, he began to put things in my heart, and doors started opening. Yeah. And my life started, and I and I and I had the opportunity and the desire to do it. Yeah. Uh, excited about doing it. Uh, that was. And that's the way it works for me. Some people get a plan, and they know from an early age what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. God bless them. That <laughs> uh, must be wonderful. I've yeah. never. I, I still want to know what I'm going to be when I grow up. <laughs> yeah. I think that's how people should stay. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we need to be, yeah. become flexible. I'm looking for the next the next uh, chapter of my life. You know, my whole life has been changed since the loss of my wife and. And, and now I'm in a uh, place where I say, all right, Lord, yeah. I just take pick all the chips, all the my everything, everything I own is put it on the middle of the table and say, all right, what do we want to do? Yeah. Where do we want to go? Here I am. And you know what, again, what the word I got was this. He said, be still and know I'm God. Wow. But I'm ready to do something right now. Yeah, but I want Here, to go. And, and, you know, I've got gifts and talents that he's, and deposits he's put in my life through the the decades of ministry I've had, and now it's like now I'm I'm just waiting. Mm-hmm. But see, there's a, there's a beauty in waiting on the Lord that so can be so wonderful and beautiful. If God's going to build a great a great thing in your life, he, it takes a while to pour a big foundation. You know. Yeah. And we we don't like the pouring of the foundation because there's nothing romantic or, or inspiring about a foundation. Mm-hmm. But nothing can go up. In other words, your foundation has to be big enough to carry what's going to go up. Yeah. And especially young people, they don't quite understand that. They want what their parents have at an early age. They, they want the the notoriety, the fame. Uh, you know, they they watch people on YouTube or whatever social media form they be maybe watching, and they see tremendous success. Uh, hey, just let God build your foundation. That's really good. And and, and don't and because if you mess up on the foundation when you get to certain heights, you can only go so far. Yeah, absolutely. 
you just you can't go any further. So right now, you're, the character, the integrity, the setting around the prayer that seemed like, you know, nine to five Christianity, what I call no, nothing's moving, nothing's changing, mm-hmm. everything's the same. Oh, yeah. Once you prayed, heaven went to work on what you, your destiny. He went to work on the legacy that God's created in you. But it's going to take time. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk about that some this coming Sunday, so it'll be fun. Yeah, that'd be amazing. I think, you know, we've been talking about the whole, like, romantic notion of things. People don't like the waiting. They don't like the sitting there. They don't like the coming and taking notes. I know we've had so many people, and I'm sure you have too, along your, you know, your journey of ministry who come in and they're so excited and they're so ready. And then they're here for three months and they don't get leadership. And they're like, well, why am I here? I'm, I'm out. I'm going to go do something else. It's like the people who stay and they, you know, they serve Sundays, they serve Wednesdays, they serve Thursdays. You know, they're here on the weekends. Every event we have, they're just here serving. They come to the college. They do everything they can. And just being present, then those opportunities start opening up for them. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's not like, well, you know, we really need like a video person. So if someone could come be video on our team, that'd be great. And it's like. I, we'd rather have someone oh, who knows nothing about video absolutely. but serves the house and works on their relationship with God, and we'll teach them. Yeah, You can be paid to sit here and watch videos on how to do video. We'd rather that than someone who just wants to come in and have a title or be whatever they want to be without that foundation. Yeah. I had, I had a lady one time. She, she came. She was an author. She was in my church. I knew she wanted to preach. And uh, I was watching her because I had reservations mm-hmm. about her. And she was in the house, I don't know how long, and, uh, for the church. And uh, I noticed that, you know, there's a couple Sundays she wasn't there. So I called and checked on her. She says, well, just to be honest, I was lazy and I just laid home. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to come. I said, well, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. I said, well, if I'd asked you to preach, would you have been there? Oh, absolutely. I went, you don't understand church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you you don't understand church. You think the church is about you and about your gifts. Absolutely. If I employ you, then you'll show up and you'll be faithful. Mm-hmm. I said, you won't be faithful if it's not you. Yeah. I said, you're self-centered. You, you, don't, under, you don't understand what, what the church is. You, you you get your rear end in the seat it's, and you, you're looking for the person to touch while you're there. Mm-hmm. The smile, even if it's just a smile and a handshake. Yeah. You, you, you know, and so often that's what we want, uh, especially young, young preachers. And I get it. I listen. Everybody young comes up through the ranks. That, oh gosh, I, I, you can always see the, the young youth pastor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's he's arrogantly prideful but humble all at uh-huh. the same time. You know, it's all about him and the, the pictures and the stances and the quotes and the and i I, i'm not hey everybody's got to grow i was that way too growing up i didn't have social media to do it in but but you know through the seasons of life you know you come to a place you go wow you know pride gets me nowhere and and i would rather the lord use anybody just as long as the job gets done i just want to be there to help absolutely i mean I'm just going to throw Keenan out there because he's my brother and my mm-hmm. pastor. But watching Keenan come through that, you know, he went to Christ for the Nations and he and he came back to Angelo and Pastor Brandon, you know, was like, hey, how about you start a young adult small group? And so we started a small group with eight people or so, and it grew and grew and grew. And then once it was like, you know, 50 or 60 people and he started getting this Instagram following, it became all, you know, the Keenan show. And what people think that he is now, he was then. And it was, you know, it was that thing of like, well, where are my pictures from tonight? Because, you know, I was taking the pictures. So I know it was like, did you get any pictures? Or he would take me with him to events and I'd be like, oh, so fun. And he'd be like, yeah, you're going to take pictures so I can have them for my Instagram. And be like, okay, whatever. And then God had called him to delete his Instagram and start completely over. Well, now he's been given the same following plus and exceedingly more. But it's so much more, and it is him on his Instagram, it is clips of him, but it's so much more about making connection with community. Right. And he way, just the 
intention behind it has so shifted and he's way more about plugging things that are happening in the church Mm -hmm. and using it to impact the church and using it to push small groups Mm -hmm. using it to push people towards the house rather than using the house to push people towards his instagram and just like using social media and those things i just think he's a really great example of like kind of that journey you know he did go through that whole thing where it was like you know it was all about you know, Keenan's the guy. Keenan's the guy. Yeah, and, and he don't know it, but but you know, and the young people that don't understand it, we just kind of we kind of laugh at mm-hmm. that. Us, because, you know, I was I was a young Bible school student that graduated too, and I was full of myself. But you, when you're full of yourself, you don't know you're full of yourself. The beautiful thing Absolutely. is, is that as long as you stay plugged in the church. The Lord knows how to humble you. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I've been preaching with my pants unzipped. You know, there's all kinds of ways that the Lord has has <laughs> has, has has ways of humbling you. Mm, it's it's almost comical. That's really good. I was just thinking, like when you'd said with your pants unzipped, I was thinking, have there been like any funny stories of just cultural? things that you've stepped into where it's just so different you know being on the mission field where it's end up funny or you know working with an interpreter or anything like that that's just kind of like or just any funny story from your missions that comes to mind well i I was i was in i was in cuba one time and i was actually uh uh preaching and uh i have an illustration about somebody that was behind me uh and they were they were throwing up their middle finger at me you know and I was preaching along like this, and uh, and I was being, I was trying to be very culturally respectful mm-hmm. about how I did it, but still pass along because it's it's a universal sign, it's true all over the world. And uh, and I, I did that, and so I'm I'm kind of preaching passionately about that, and pretty soon this guy's flipping off the whole congregation. Because <laughs> he's been doing <laughs> no, the interpreter. He is physically. Flipping the bird. He's doing like sign language? Yeah, or? The, the whole, you know, doing the middle oh finger, the gosh. whole the whole place, you know. And I just look at him and said, well, that just happened. And I just kept right on going, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and afterwards, he says, I said, wow, you just flipped off the whole place. He says, oh, I did. <laughs> he didn't even think about it either. Yeah, he didn't think about it at the time. He didn't think about it at all. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, there, culture is... Oh, I have been so mad at culture because I go. You go in as a Westerner. People do things on time. Mm-hmm. I do things on time. Yeah. Uh, I was preaching, supposed to be preaching at another man's church in Ghana, Africa, and it was not my son's church. It was another church. He picks me up two and a half hours late. Two oh, and a half a hours late. I am not a Christian. I am. I am mad on top of mad, mm-hmm. not because it's not my, it's not his church. If he picked me up for his church, I would have been angry, but not as mad. I said, "Son," he said. And he said, "Dad, it's okay. He knows they'll be singing when we get there." And when I walked in, there they were singing. No one was upset. No one even noticed. No one was mad, and I stepped to the pulpit and preached. Another time, I was in, where was I? I think it was in Ecuador or Colombia, anywhere, one of those nations. And, the, and what, normally when we, 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 we build, uh, you know, we've got all these different speakers that are coming in. People have come in, so we're doing time slots. I've got, you know, an hour slot, and another guy's got an hour slot. So, you know, with interpretation and stuff, we maybe got, you know, 30, 45 minutes, something like that. Normally it's about a half hour that we have because we have to wait for the interpreter. Mm-hmm. So what the locals get a hold of it, and they, and they just take over, and they wreck our schedule. Well, I'm up next. I've been out all this money. I've got a message from God. I've got all this stuff going. And I am, I am, I'm looking at the clock. I've got 15 minutes to preach a, to preach an hour message. Wow. Because they've just stolen my whole, I've traveled and been out so much money to come to do this. And these local guys, these local pastors just come up and just stole it from us. And I, I remember looking at, out at my wife when she was sitting in the congregation. I looked at her and I said, I am so mad. I'm so mad. 
you know, because here I am, you know, just ready to go. And mm-hmm. and these guys are, you know, telling stories and singing songs and they're having a blast at our expense, I might yeah. add. And I, and I take a sidestep, Brooklyn, and I step over into a room that's adjacent to the stage and it's filled with blankets where pastors have slept. Wow. And they have traveled for miles and miles, and there they are. And I suddenly got a good whipping from the Lord. And I was Mm -hmm. so humbled. And I went, Lord, I'm sorry. This is not a Terry show. Yeah. This is, this is, this is, I'm sorry. So I walk over to the lead pastor. I says, what do I need to do? He says, let me, he says, you just take over. He says, don't take your full time. I says, no. If I do that, I says, then it's going to throw everybody off how much to take. Well, he told me how much time to take. I took the exactly the amount of time he gave me. We got back on schedule and everything went forward. But you know what? In that moment, the biggest lesson to be learned was by me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I can't change culture. No, yeah. I, I have to roll with the culture when I go to a foreign field. I, I can't make demands. If you're not flexible, you go somewhere. And it's the same way in the church. If you're not flexible <clears throat> and you're going to demand your way, mm-hmm. well, get ready because you're just going to be, you know, one very upset, bratty person. Yeah. Uh, and you, you got to stop and look. Uh, and where you are making demands for your ministry to move forward or whatever make demands for that you got to stop and look even in the house or in the church that morning there's probably three or four hundred people in such pain that it took all the faith that they could get muster up to just come to church today yeah wow people are hurting yeah. mother Teresa said that 90, if you look at 95% of the people like they're hurting you'll be right 100% of the time wow. Because people are in pain. Absolutely. Yeah, and so you know, going through the house, going through church, missions, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. When you go, we think we're going to go over there and explode on people, change their lives. God's going to use us, but you know, in the going, God changes us too. Absolutely. I've had I, I, one of the greatest problems I ever had in my life is I'm preaching in <clears throat> in Mexico, and a little lady walks up and gives me twenty pesos. You can tell she's dirt poor, oh. dirt poor. She don't have anything. Elderly gives me 20 pesos. I don't need her 20 pesos. Mm-hmm. Missionary says, you, you got to take it. I says, no. I, no. I, I, she says, you got to take it. Yeah. I went, man, you talk about humbling. That'll wreck you. He says, and he's tough. He says, yeah, she probably has one light maybe in her whole house. <coughs> you, you, she, you may have just got her tortilla money. My gosh. I can't imagine. Yeah. They say that, you know, if um, if you have $3,670 to your name in assets, you're one half of the richest population in the world. America doesn't understand poverty. No, they, they they think they see it, but you don't. You've, you've never seen poverty. Well, I'm about to go to South Sudan's poverty is on top of poverty. Wow. Yeah. India, Mozambique, Cuba, Venezuela, <clears throat> places I've been. <coughs> Excuse me. It's just. Uh, it's humbling. Yeah. And to. Mozambique was one of the worst, worst places I've ever been, as far as poverty goes. Mm-hmm. And when you go there, I can imagine that they're just like so honored to have you there that they're just like going they're, out. Of, they're so going out of their way to treat you well. When we when we went to Venezuela, Brooklyn, we we went in to do a conference, and and we had like twelve hundred pastors that come came in. And we're preaching there, and we have a we have a we're giving like uh, about five thousand Bibles away. 
so they're all stacked up. They build a human chain across the Bibles, people holding hands. They're screaming in the back, Biblia, 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 because they don't have the Word of God. They don't have it. They're screaming. We're having to keep the pieces. And they told us, you will get a Bible. Mm -hmm. I think every church, every pastor we gave a case of Bibles to. says, anybody that's here will get a Bible. But they're screaming, Biblia. And they actually build a chain. And the other aspect was is that here we are. I mean, I'm I'm a Texas boy. I'm out walking among the crowd and stuff. This guy comes and picks me up, pulls me aside. He says, you can't be out here. They have to take us out the back. It's like we're celebrities. Yeah. We become instant celebrities to them because we're men of God that have come. And I mean, I put my pants on like everybody else. Yeah. I'm no different than anyone. Mm-hmm. But to them in that season in their life, it was hope for them. And since then, Venezuela has just gone to, oh, my God. The nation's just in hyperinflation. People there are just beautiful people. The Christians in Cuba are fire breathers. Good Lord, living in a communist country, you have no idea. That, I mean, they're all, they, they can't even search the internet. Everything is, oh they can't, they, they live in they, Cuba, they have, they, they live on an island and you can't own a boat. Oh my gosh. So when you go to somewhere like that, how do you operate? There. You operate within the laws because you're a guest. Mm-hmm. You're a guest to their country, and you, whether you agree with them or not, you operate within That's the good. laws. But the locals know how to operate. The local pastors know mm-hmm. how to work the system. Yeah. I never go on my own. When I go into a, a nation, I find the man of peace or the pastor the, the one that's there, I walk up to him, I says, and I publicly, normally I publicly say, Pastor, I'm here, I'm submitted to you, I'm here. If you see me do anything that's against your culture, if you see me say something that may not be right, if I do anything, would you please correct me because I'm submitted to you? That's really because, great. Because I, see, it's just, I have to, I have, he's there, he he is, he is God's man for that country, not yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I'm just there to I'm there to just support him. Yeah. And I've seen so many guys that go in uh, strong arming because they think they're smarter, more yeah. anointed than mm-hmm. the local ignorant pastors, and they strong arm these men and women of God, and they 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 think that they're the most popular thing and the best thing, and they just wreck it. Wow. And they just totally tear it up. Yeah. And I don't care if they're I don't care if they do things wrong. If you don't if you don't do things culturally right and you don't know the culture, so it's to me you gotta have Holy Spirit download, you gotta have people that that help you, you know, yeah. in respect to that. And you gotta be there you gotta be what I call you gotta really be spiritually in tune with everything that you say and do. Because you don't wanna mess it up. Yeah, absolutely. As we wind down, from what I gather, the answer to this question would probably be just say yes. But what would you advise someone who wants to get into the mission field? And like, you mean to like to go full time? Either go full time or start getting involved. Is there a resource that you would suggest or any sort of system? There is, there is one organization called Go To Nations. They're probably one of the best sending agencies I know. You can actually get online there and take a, a missions course. Okay, we'll put that resource you know, along with this. Go, go to nations. Uh, I I have met the director there. I know the guy that's over all of Latin America there. Uh, I know several missionaries out of Go to Nations, and they're a very reputable organization. Uh, that's where a pastor can go if a pastor doesn't know how to send anyone or how to raise up a missionary within the local house, they can actually go to go to nations and and get the resources they need how to how to help uh, someone go from uh, someone in a local church with no mission experience 
and you can actually go they can you can go to places where they'll go kind of like a mission school for mm-hmm. six months that's what well, when i i taught missions at christ for nations and the last semester we would send them to a go to nation school wow. or we'd send them to heidi baker school in mozambique wow. so one of those two normally we the one was in Thailand and one was in Mozambique. I think there's also one in, I don't know, I forget where it was. It's somewhere in Latin America. That's amazing. That's a really great resource. And yeah. so we'll definitely plug that. Is there anything else that you want to leave? No, the b- beautiful thing is, is you, you know, God always qualifies the unqualified. Absolutely. You know, and he, and he calls you not because you're good enough. He calls you because he sees what's in you mm-hmm. and what he can do in you. Uh, again, I never ever dreamed of me doing what I'm doing, and today I, I just find a need and fill it. Uh, you start with the toilets, and I don't mean that. I mean not that you have to go to, come to you and say, "Hey, mm-hmm. I want to clean the toilet." And yeah. they, y'all probably have resources and things to do, but ultimately you say, "Hey, I'm willing to do whatever," and be faithful in that. Yeah, that's good. Be faithful in that, and say, "Lord, I want to be used of you," and then and then become a student of the scriptures. That's good. Uh, I mean, I mean, take take the sermons that are preached, and and you know, Crystal Sparks. She is my son. Never went to Bible college. My daughter never went to Bible college. My uh, my daughter in law never went to Bible college. Uh, Brandon Holler never went to Bible college, uh, and yet and yet they're very very successful in all mm-hmm. they do, and it's just because they they become a student of the Word. And I remember my daughter-in-law, she'd be driving up. She would she would take my sermons and play them 10 times wow. until she could preach my messages herself. Wow. And, 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 and so when, when you have a word, you know, if you listen to it once, great. But if it, really, if it touches your heart, then take that message and listen to it again and again and again. So, you know what I want to do? I want to preach. Okay, well, you just got a message there. Mm-hmm. You mean I'm going to preach pastor's message? There's no greater compliment in the world than you preach a pastor's message. Yeah. You know it's a, it's bones for you, you know, and you just you know and you you yeah. put your stories to yeah, it. Definitely. And it's going to become part of you. But again, if that's not your calling, my wife was never called to preach. She wouldn't preach, but you know what? She was allowed as a preacher of us all. She loved everybody yeah. privately, encouraged everybody privately, and ministered. It, you know, you may have a ministry of hospitality. You just love people to come over. You like to take care of people. You may have a ministry of giving. You may have a ministry of encouragement. It doesn't matter. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart. That's awesome. Uh, any, I mean, whether you take a guy that's, I always taught everybody in my church that whatever you're doing in your secular work, if you do it in the Lord, you're doing you're doing His yeah. will. Yeah, definitely. You're Absolutely. just as anointed doing a sales call as a pastor preaching on Sunday morning. Absolutely. If you put if you put God in it. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, so that would be mine. Start with what you got and go from there. I'm still. I think the latter years are going to be greater. I, I'm Maybe. still looking Absolutely. forward to tomorrow. Absolutely. Well, we're very honored to have you on our podcast, oh, Pastor hey, listen, Terry. I'm glad to be here. And we're excited to have you on this Sunday, which will already be over by the time this podcast is up. So y'all will make sure and go check out Pastor Terry's message from Thursday and from Sunday. So go to our YA and our main church, uh, YouTube and Spotify to find those. And make sure to connect with us on Sunday mornings at 930 and 11 right here in San Angelo, Texas. And get plugged in in a small group because... Community is where it's at. So you need to get plugged into a small group. And we will see you next time. Thanks, Pastor Terry. You're welcome.